0: For our second edition of A Sprinkle of Inspiration podcast, we are here with Lindsay Sutton and Melissa Goetz of the FCS Foundation to tell us about their experience of working with and living with FCS. Um, To begin, I'd love to know more about your personal experiences with FCS and your organization.
1: I'll start. So I was diagnosed with FCS um, at less than a year old, so I've known about it for a very long time. And what FCS is is that the body cannot digest fat and so triglycerides become extremely elevated in the bloodstream. Um, An average person's triglycerides should be um, under 200, and FCS patients have triglycerides anywhere from probably 500 well into the 1,000 range. When you have high triglycerides, this causes pancreatitis, or it can cause pancreatitis, which many of our patients suffer from and pancreatitis is the inflammation of the pancreas, and it results in a hospital visit most of the time, which is usually about a week long, and then there's a recovery after that, just from the hospital itself for about a week or two. So it's very debilitating. Typically, the pancreatitis attacks do start in childhood, but they're not as frequent as when you hit your adult years, and it might be due to lifestyle changes, or just stress, or it's just the more attacks that the pancreas has, the more susceptible it is to getting more attacks in the future. So I have the enzyme deficiency, and I'll let Melissa
2: share a little bit about her daughter. So my daughter, Juliana, has FCS, familial chylomicronemia syndrome, and she diagnosed a very similar story to Lindsay's. She was seven weeks old. We were in the hospital. Triglycerides were about 24,000. They drew her blood. Her blood was like a bubblegum pink color. And uh, just from the saturation of all the fat that was in her bloodstream. And she had a kidney infection and a liver infection on top of pancreatitis. So at the time, you know, the doctors kind of went back and forth about what it could be. They asked us if we had a history of high triglycerides in our family, which we don't. And then we saw a specialist and luckily they had read about it in medical school and they remembered it. And they said, we think this is what she has. And, um, and we went from there, you know, we diagnosed her from there and, and that was it. So that was all within her first two months of life.
1: Melissa and I in 2015, we met at a patient summit and I was 25 at the time and I had never met another patient with FCS and I never thought that I ever would and because it is about one in a million so very very rare and I met Melissa there and it was really cool for both of us because she also didn't think she'd ever meet another patient with FCS Uh, six months later I reached out to her, and I asked if she wanted to start this foundation, and we established our board, and we got to work, and in June of 2016, we became an established nonprofit, the FCS Foundation, and since then, we've just been, we just kind of go wherever the wind blows us. It just seems like all these new opportunities keep coming up, and there's so many different ways we can advocate for our patient group, so it's been really neat. Um sort of seen everything that we have done and, and all the work that we've done with physicians and other healthcare providers, as well as other patient groups. Now we have a support group with about 70 patients in it, which is incredible because just a few years ago... We knew you know, four we people, maybe. <laughs> right.
0: That's awesome. How have you um, reached all these other, um, you know, patients? How, how how has that outreach occurred? Because obviously, like you said, you, you only really knew each other. You didn't think you would meet anybody else. How have you been able to I guess, find these people? Have they come to you? Have you reached out to, to them? It's
2: been, uh, I guess, a little bit of everything. I think, you know, when, so when my, when Juliana was first diagnosed, I would put her, her disease into, you know, a search bar and literally nothing would come up. I mean, there were a few scholarly articles and maybe the name of one or two physicians and that was it. And every now and then I like to do that same search now to see how much more information there is out there. It's so exciting to me. You know, if someone's getting diagnosed now, there's so much more they can find. And, and one of those things is our organization. Mm-hmm. So I think just putting ourselves out there of like on social media and having our website, I think now when people search for the disease, they can find us that way. Mm-hmm. And we attend different medical conferences. So, you know, one of our, our major things as part of our mission is to educate physicians. Mm-hmm. And so finding physicians and talking to them about the disease and giving them our information so that they can reach out to us, giving that information to patients they may have so that they can find us, um, I think is all is all what's bringing people you know, to, to finding us and to reaching out.
0: Do either of you have a medical background or this is really just a passion, a personal passion project?
2: Pretty
1: much a passion project. Uh, my degree is in dietetics, so I'm very familiar with the food aspect and that, the science of the metabolism. But that's about it. <laughs> um, we just sort of took it and ran with it and we've had great support and our board is so helpful so and we have a lot of patients um, even if they're not on the board they just want to contribute their time and volunteer so it's been really great to work with everybody.
0: That's awesome it sounds like you're at the forefront now of you know figuring everything out I mean I think it, it, it must be very you know intimidating to be diagnosed with something that you know that there's not too much research about um, so I'm wondering a little bit more about how you started the nonprofit exactly was that always you know kind of a mission before you had met each other were you interested in in maybe creating a foundation or was it really just you guys got together and and realized this is something that you know we both can tackle together
2: <laughs> you know it came up um, the need for it definitely came up but like you said it, it is intimidating and we didn't, you know, and this is already four years ago, you know, so I had had my third at the time my my third was six months old, but Juliana, the one who has f c s is my middle child and then I had just gone back to work part time and Lindsay and I had met each other really just that once mm-hmm. at the at the patient meeting, and the day that Lindsay emailed me to start the foundation was the day that I found out that they didn't need my position anymore at the job I was at. <laughs> So it was kind of perfect timing because that door closed and I got the email from Lindsay and I'm like, you know what? Why not? You know, I didn't have a good reason not to to do it. And I think I felt better knowing that Lindsay would be part of it and that it wasn't doing it alone, that we would kind of be figuring it out together. And I don't think either of us ever set out on this journey or had it in mind that this is what our path would look like, but once we started, I mean, it's kind of like what Lindsay said before. Once we started, it just kind of organically, it all happened. And we just, like, we just had to go with it.
0: Has the nonprofit helped you learn more about the disease? Or is it all about, you know, have you really had to educate yourself? Has it been helpful for for coping with, you know, any, any challenges you've come up with within the past years in terms of medical problems? There's,
1: a, I mean, there's a lot to be said for when you finally meet people who have the same condition that you have. Before that, I felt extremely isolated and I had been so, so sick and I thought that that was what the rest of my life was going to look like and that I would never have another person to talk to who truly understood it. So meeting all these people and finding connections with Specific patients who just their stories—they're so similar. It's been life-changing, and to be, I mean, my health—I think has improved so much. And I think a lot of that is also because I know that I have this great support system that I didn't have before. Um, family, you know, can only do so much. So it, it's been really that part has been great, and I—I I know that
2: lots of patients and their caregivers feel the same way about that. I mean, it's nice for Julia It's nice for me to have other people that I can talk to about like what worked for you when you were like any, you know, how can I better support her and how can I better, you know, work through this with her and and be there for her. But then I think, I also think for her, like her experience will be so different than Lindsay's growing up because she already knows people who have it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we're on a conference call, we were on a conference call with another mom the other day and like her son came into the picture and then I had Juliana come into the picture and I mean, they didn't say much to each other, but just being able to know that, they exist, I think, doesn't make it as isolating um, right. you know, for our, our patients. And I'm happy for that for Juliana, for sure. I would consider myself to be sort of an expert <laughs> in what
1: works for my body and what doesn't at this point because I was diagnosed so long ago. But I'm still always learning about new drugs or maybe possible treatment options that other patients talk about that works for them. So it's nice to be able to bring that information to my own physician and have that discussion. Um, But also some patients, unfortunately, aren't diagnosed with SCS until well into their adult years. So they are definitely having to learn everything from the very beginning. It's so new. So having that group um, to really help bring forth any information that they have about the disease is very helpful.
0: The CNN article uh, mentioned a drug. Could you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: So that particular drug, um, it did have clinical trials in the U.S., Mm. uh, and we sat on the advisory committee hearing for approval for that drug. And while we were in that that meeting, it looked really promising. You know, they voted in favor of approving the drug. And then uh, about Um, Two or three months later is when the FDA issued their complete response letter for the drug, which means they didn't approve it. They did not approve it. Um, It's just they're waiting for more data, basically. So then to, to experience that, which was heartbreaking, because that was their only treatment option. That would have been it. So that was in 2018, and then in the spring of that drug was approved in Europe.
0: So going off of that, obviously there are some setbacks. Um, What have you learned about starting your own nonprofit um, and working with other people through that process?
2: I think in the nonprofit space, especially the rare disease space, are so generous with their time and their knowledge. So I think for us, the thing that we've had to learn is just understanding that if we don't know the answer or we don't know something, I think there's this desire to kind of figure it out and not, not let people know. But I think we've learned that it's just, it's embraced and and people want to see you succeed. And so you just ask for help and you network and you get to know people. And, um, you know, before you know it, there are places that you're stronger, that people are coming to you for help and you have an opportunity to pay it forward and help them. And just when you come across a roadblock or something you're not sure about, just kind of owning it and saying, okay, we don't know where to go from here and asking, you know, the, the network of people that we've gotten to know for help and what to do next. This
0: next question is a little bit more directed towards Lindsay, but I'm curious to know what has been helpful for you dealing with the disease. Has the nonprofit been helpful? Have you been able to share any other, any of the wisdom you've learned over time uh, with people that you've been able to connect with that also have the disease? What really works for you and um, how have you been able to help other people through that?
1: The nonprofit has definitely helped because it's put me in touch with so many other patients as well as specialists in the field. So I've learned more from the patient side and the healthcare side, which has been really interesting. And just, it's helped me to make little changes here and there with things that I can improve in my own, uh, with my own lifestyle choices as well. I think the biggest thing really is that patient connection for me. I mean, I lived 25 years of my life not ever meeting another patient. So then, to now have a, a ton of people that I can connect with has been life changing, and it's just made a huge difference. And I think it's made my health better too, just knowing that I have an outlet and people who truly understand. Do you have any next steps
0: for your nonprofit? How are you working towards, you know, supporting other people?
2: So looking ahead for right now, you know, we have the Heart Act um, that's looking to sort of strengthen the rare disease perspective within the FDA and how they're looking at rare disease drugs um, and making sure that they're looking at them through the lens of rare disease. So that's going to be small sample sizes, and that's going to be, you know, maybe a higher tolerance of patients to have more, you know, working more closely with physicians, um, you know, when they're on new treatments and things like that. So we're looking to, it's been introduced, um, with Congress, the next step would be for it to be introduced in the Senate, and so just working to get support for that, working with groups, um, finding other patient groups that um, you know want to help support it, and reach out to their their uh, elected officials, just to try to get the the bill passed. Our you know our overall mission for the foundation is to provide support and education for uh, patients and caregivers, and then as well as um, medical professionals as well. So that's always sort of our underlying, you know, we're always, that's always where we go back to, Um, you know, when Lindsay and I are trying to plan the next few months and thinking about what we want to do, we're always going back to that goal. And what can we do uh, to make that happen? So we were supposed to have a patient summit this past May. And of course, that didn't happen. That would have been the first one that we would have had. And there's so many patients in our community that still have not met other people, you know, uh, online and through our support group they have, but face-to-face they haven't, and that connection is life-changing. So we were really excited about that, and then, of course, disappointed when it couldn't happen. So we had an online webinar, uh, which was great, and it went really well, and I think we're looking to do, you know, another one or two of those in 2020 before the end of the year. Just to keep people connected, we're in the beginning stages of looking at planning a a 5K in the fall, a virtual 5K, which we're really excited about because we're all so spread out. And it's not like there's any one area that has a higher percentage of FCS patients than another. You know, at one in a million, I think I'm the only one I know in New York. So, you know, it's really hard to do some of these events in person because you just don't have enough people necessarily who can attend them. So we're looking at doing that in the fall and just continuing to Educate physicians, update some brochures, get information out. That's our 2020 plan. To
1: the
0: average person on the street that you meet, how would you describe it and what would you want them to know about it?
1: FCS, I would want other people to know that FCS is so much more than just you can't eat fat. Um, I think that a lot of people are like, oh, just don't eat fat and you'll be fine. There is no treatment for FCS right now except for a low-fat diet and that does not work over a long period of time, triglycerides are always continuing to build. And once they hit that point that your pancreas can't handle, it will cause pancreatitis. Um, And I think that that's really important for, you know, friends and family to understand because many of them don't. And I also think that it's very important for healthcare providers to understand that even with a low fat diet, our triglycerides do become elevated and pancreatitis does happen.
2: I think that's, you know, a lot of people will say to me, like, oh, she's on a low-fat diet. She's going to be so healthy because she's eating so well. Um, And while I hope that that is the case, I hope that she can maintain her health and and continue to be healthy. Um, You know, in meeting Lindsay and talking with other adult patients, yes, uh, she will eat healthy, but Mm -hmm. I don't know that that will mean she will feel healthy. So, you know, it's hard to say that to people in conversation because they're trying to be positive and they're trying to be supportive and you don't want to be the Debbie Downer that's like, well, actually, no, she'll probably have a lifetime of, you know, pain and chronic pain. and um, But I, I think understanding that, that it's not just about diet and then you get to be healthy.
0: Um, so going off of that. For anyone that is interested in getting involved and helping out, whether they have f- FCS or not, how would you recommend um, someone helping, right now, helping out right now with either your organization or helping um, get this bill passed?
2: Well, the bill is definitely f- for anyone. You know, anyone, not just, we were, we were pretty intentional as we were thinking about points that would help the rare disease, like the drug process, and looking at things that would benefit all rare disease groups. Um, so anyone, who has, you know, a passion for rare disease or is impacted by it or is impacted by our story, um, they can go to our website and we have a tab there called the Heart Act. um, And it outlines what you can do. It it outlines the Heart Act and then what you can do in terms of uh, how to Uh, speak with your congressperson. Um, And then also on our social media, we have some of those points as well. It's pretty scripted out, you know, hi, you know, my name is, and it has the bill number and everything laid out for them. But other than that, you know, I I think, you know, if if they think they have FCS or they want to learn more, our website is a great place to go.
0: I want to thank you both, Lindsay and Melissa, for joining us today with We Inspire and sharing your inspiring stories. Thank you.